Welcome to All Rings Considered, the podcast on all things Tolkien. I'm Charlie, and with me is... Pip. Hi, Pip. Uh, and this is the introductory hi. episode. Oh, hi. <laughs> uh, this is the introductory episode to our latest series, a Lord of the Rings read-through. Uh, Pip, can you tell us what we're going to do in this series? So in this series, we're going to be taking a read-through Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings. And on each episode, we're going to go through one chapter, uh, giving a summary of its plot, and then discussing uh, what each chapter means in the context of the book. So be prepared uh, for spoilers, uh, if that's a concern for you, because we're going to be talking about each chapter as it fits in with the whole work. And also a note about uh, perspective. We are going to be taking a look at both interesting things that would be for a first-time reader and also for someone who has had... Uh, a wealth of Tolkien knowledge. And just to be clear, that's J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. It is. Oh, good to know. Uh, no, but so I think we should start by introducing ourselves a little bit. We actually have done this on our previous episodes about the movies, um, but we are just actually just two enthusiasts. Uh, I don't think we have any particularly special qualifications uh, to discuss this, but even though we are amateurs, we have read this book a number of times. We have been sort of immersed in Tolkien's work for much of our lives. Maybe you know, too long. We're too just much two of our lives. regular chuckleheads, you know, yucking it up about the Middle Earth. Right. As regular chuckleheads do. Um, but I want to start this introductory episode by talking about what exactly it is we like about this book and why we actually think it is liked by so many other people as well. So when I think about The Lord of the Rings and its massive popularity, one thing that strikes me is that it seems that almost everybody has a different reason for enjoying this book. And it, it reminds me, there's this story that uh, I think comes from The Lord of the Rings Reader's Companion by, uh, I think it's Wayne Hammond and Christina Skull, and they talk about this this one particular scholar going to some Tolkien conference in the 1980s or something, and, and he's there with you know something like two dozen two dozen people and, and they're all sort of experts on Tolkien and they're all speaking about him and writing about him and he asks well what exactly makes this book so popular why is it so well loved and he is talking to two dozen people and essentially gets two dozen different answers everybody seems to like it for a different reason some people seem to love like the really detailed world building some people really love the the prose some people just love the influentialness of it how it's just it's the first great high fantasy novel and and, and all these things and which gets me thinking about what what exactly do I like about this book? Um, I can tell you, I actually am not really big on world building stuff. I don't I don't really care about world building. Uh, usually, when I read through the book, I, I take all the vast details Tolkien shoves into it, just as for sort of aesthetic effect, rather than because I actually care about what they're referencing or what they are. Um, to me, it just builds a cool aesthetic effect that people can sort of reference these old mythological uh, things. For me, I actually think I end up liking this book for two big primary reasons. The first would be I actually think it's extraordinarily well written. I think the prose is actually beautiful. I think it's unusual prose. I don't think it's what you would normally expect in a novel. But once you kind of get into the style, it's really gripping and really just uh, uh, poetic. The second reason, though, that I actually end up really enjoying this book is quite frankly i think the themes are really interesting i think it has a lot to say i think the messages in it aren't 
typical. And as a result, I find it just in incredibly powerful. You combine the beautiful prose with, I think, the really interesting themes. You just have a book that, that I'm just going to fall in love with. And I say that actually as somebody who, in case you couldn't tell when I said I couldn't care less about world building, I'm not a fantasy reader. Like I, I, don't, I haven't read any fantasy books outside of Tolkien. I don't really care to. I'm not particularly interested in reading them. Maybe some of the maybe I've read maybe some of the classics, but uh, it's it's you know I haven't gone around and read George R. R. Martin or what Patrick Rothfuss or whoever writes the Name of the Wind or whatever these these things are. So I don't like it for the fantasy aspects. I really do think it's just a, a phenomenal, interesting work of literature. Uh, what about you, Pep? So I think I'll go off of something you said about everybody finding something different in this book to appreciate. And I think I think one way to consider great mythology is a set of narratives through which we can understand our world as we're going through it. And I think personally I found here a a set of narratives that really made sense to me in a, in a capital T truth way. And I think one thing about a great piece of art is that great art is almost inexhaustible. And what I mean by that is you can come at the work from different perspectives or from a different time in your life or looking at it in a, in a certain light and always get something new out of it, always get something different. Um, and I think that is a criteria of the Lord of the Rings that really makes it a great work. Yeah, one thing too that I want to emphasize and I hinted at this sort of when I talked about the prose, I, I called it unusual prose. I, I think though the book doesn't get enough credit by both its fans and its critics for how weird it is and how strange it is. Everything about this book to me, if you really think about it, is bizarre. And it, it's almost hard to see that now because it's been so influential. But this, I mean, this to me, I read this sometimes when I reread it, I guess I should say, and, and I feel like this must have been like the infinite jest of its day. Like, it just seems like it should be normal, I guess, but it's this big, dense, weird thing. Um, I think a lot of that's going to come out when we discuss this chapter by chapter, you know, exactly which parts I think are, are weird. But just the very act of it's like this simultaneously, this fairy tale slash myth with like these appendices but it's a novel and the language is like archaic but it's not in a ham-fisted way it's really beautiful but it's just there's nothing like it it's a story within a story um it's mm. technically the book that you're reading is actually it's supposed to be a book that someone in that world wrote yeah so it, it's something again i think the critics kept overlooking this because they they just dismissed it they dismissed perhaps its strangeness as uh, some kind of mistake. Well, I actually think it's 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 one of its strengths. I think it's very bold. It's for its bizarre nature, um, and I think the fans overlook it too. Actually, sometimes they don't really realize how weird this book is. It's so weird that I mean, I would I describe this as my favorite book, and I almost never recommend it to people. <laughs> I don't I think I ever mean, would, yeah. um, because I'd be like, well, this is my favorite book, but I just it's really weird. I'm not sure I'd actually tell you to read it because <laughs> it just it just. It either finds you or it doesn't. Well, Charlie, I'm excited. Let me tell you that. Me too. With all that being said, please join us next time for episode one, chapter one of book one, A Long Expected Party.